0: Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. You're here because you want to learn about how to live a healthier life, how to live more sustainably, how to take your everyday actions and make them work for you and the planet. Sometimes it might feel like you've got this figured out and other times you probably feel lost. That's why I'm here together we will learn how to live happier healthier lives without the need to be perfect and always allowing space for a little cluelessness on this journey to living a more conscious life today on the podcast I talked to Crystal Dimicelli she runs a podcast and online community of hope and action for animals and the environment she wants you to leave doom and gloom at the door and spread hope through action here we go Are you ready to hear some good news stories? Dive into the Healthy Seas podcast and meet the people doing all they can to help the seas and oceans thrive from above and below the waves. Host Crystal DiMicelli talks to diverse fishers, experts, and more about what they're doing to protect our source of life and how you and I can help from wherever we are. Healthy Seas is a marine conservation organization whose mission is to tackle the ghost fishing phenomenon and turn this waste into an opportunity for a more circular economy. They do this through cleanups, prevention, education, working with partners who recycle and repurpose this material. This new show highlights their work and the work of their peers around the world. Go to forcesfornature.com slash podcast to listen. The podcast is called Consciously Clueless, and I like to start when talking to guests, saying... Where are you right now on a spectrum from clueless to conscious? What are you feeling in this moment? Whatever that means to you, wherever that lands, just what what are you
1: feeling? I guess it depends on the day that you have. <laughs> sometimes I feel clueless in regards to just what the next steps are, because like you, I have this passion for sustainability and preserving nature. And sometimes it just feels like I have no idea what to do. <laughs> In order to move the needle. And then other times I don't feel so discouraged. And I realize just every little step, keep, just keep my head down, keep moving one step after the other. And eventually it'll, you'll make a difference. And so Mm -hmm. I guess it just depends on the moment.
0: (laughs) I think that's totally fair. And you really did just describe. At least where I vacillate sometimes and I'm getting better at finding more of a middle ground. But there's either this like doom and despair end where you're like, I think we're done. (laughs) Or there's the other side where I'm like, every I've done so much today. Look at the people I've talked to on the podcast. Look at the differences, blah, 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 (laughs) blah. And you can say all that too, right? Where you're just like, we're gonna do it, guys. We're gonna solve (laughs) it. And then okay, maybe like maybe a middle ground.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. hard is I try so hard to be the voice of optimism and like positive mm. and success stories and what have you. And so when I do feel those moments of holy crap, we're screwed. Yeah. I, I just, I'm like, Ugh. I feel bad. I feel bad. Like I'm not upholding my promise, my brand, mm. if you want to even say that, mm-hmm. but it's just being human and being honest about it. So
0: because of your, and we'll get into your podcast here in a minute, but because of the tone of that really being on the optimistic side of looking at these stories, do you feel that pressure to not like publicly on social media be distraught?
1: Sometimes I do. I, sometimes I see things on social media that just anger me or upset mm-hmm. me so much. And I just want to share them, like sh- yeah. straight out share. I'm like, look at this, what's going on? This is mm-hmm. terrible. These are, this is maddening. But I really make a effort to stop myself from sharing those things that always get me so fired up. And if I do want to say something, if I do want to share it, if I do want to say something about it, I always end with at least one idea of what can we do about it. Mm. Because that's what really frustrates me a lot is when you see all these terrible things going on and then you're like, what can I do about it? And that answer is not given. And yeah, of course you're going to just want to curl up in a ball and go into the corners. Because a lot of it
0: pointing out the problem, right? And then that's it.
1: Totally. And so I think it's up to everybody to at least follow up with the smallest little, but what can you do about it? Even if it's just bringing awareness and attention to it. Thanks for listening. Great. to
0: another episode of Conscious Clueless. If you're enjoying this so podcast, let's start with your, friends, your interest in sustainability it. and the environment and this passion. Review, where did that come from? What's the social origin social story of that? And join in on the fun.
1: For as long as I can remember, I've been an animal lover. I have a picture of myself as a toddler sitting in a dog bed, like waiting for the dog to to come back. (laughs) And And, (laughs) so I've always known that I wanted to do something regarding animals. And then I have an early memory. I think I must have been. 11 where, where i was watching a show more about pollution and i for whatever reason i was to- like you know what i'm gonna stop pollution one day and it i don't know where this like innate determination and innate love for animals came from it wasn't necessarily handed down or mm-hmm. a learned thing it was right just in me and i guess from that like i kind of I just wanted to protect nature for animals and for ourselves. And, and that's what put me on my path. I was one of those rare creatures that actually knew what I wanted to do after high school.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You should be studied. (laughs) That's amazing. That sounds lovely, actually. That sounds a little less anxiety inducing. I'm just, I'd like, feel like I just figured it out in the last couple of years.
1: Well, to tell you the truth, like when I was graduating high school, I was like, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to go do something like this. And now at my age, many years later, I'm like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but like, I don't know what I'm doing. There was a little bit of a reversal. there. Uh-huh. But-
0: <laughs> so you're saying that coming out of high school, knowing what you wanted to do, you knew that this field, this idea of saving the world's saving nature was going
1: to be involved somehow. Yeah. So I went into, I went to the College of Environmental Science and Forestry. It's a New York State school. Yeah. And it it doesn't get more specific than that. (laughs) Yeah, really. Like
0: you nailed it.
1: The people that go there have a pretty focused uh, intent. Yeah, And so I went to that school, but within a couple of years, I started feeling a little bit like an imposter because I didn't necessarily fit in. I grew up outside of New York City. And so my weekends consisted of going to the mall and going to the movies and right. being in nature wasn't really anything I was doing. It, Like I said, it was just kind of something like I respected nature, but mm-hmm. I wasn't hanging out in nature. There's, yeah. I don't, it's, there's this disconnect. I don't have that like story of I was walking in the woods one day, but, <laughs> but my, I guess you could say my story though after feeling like an imposter, I did do a summer semester abroad in New Zealand. Where
0: in, where in New Zealand were you?
1: We were in the North Island, and then I okay. did some traveling in the South Island. Cool. But very early on when we arrived, one of the things on, on our agenda were to hike the pinnacles. <clears throat> I had never hiked before. I had never really camped before other than mm-hmm. like very glamping kind of camping. <laughs> And so we were hiking in the pinnacles. I was had brand new hiking shoes, like killing my feet. I was gonna say god your feet Mm -hmm. had to dying. I was wearing jeans and we were oh no practically rock climbing some parts. Hiking the pinnacles, jeans and new boots. Jeans and new boots, and we had this opportunity one morning to to go to the summit. So like we went pretty high up and then the next Morning, We had the opportunity to climb to the summit before sunrise. And a lot of people wow. had said, yeah, a lot of people had declined it. Oh, no big deal. I do this all the time. But I promised myself I would take every opportunity. And <clears throat> so I said yes. And I joined in and it was like it was completely unfit for it. We practically rock climbed our way to the top. It was completely uncomfortable. I finally arrived after everybody else, huffing and puffing. I was like, yep. bent over. Oh my God, what am I doing? Your feet here? were probably bleeding
0: at this point.
1: They could have been. I think they were numb, so I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, you're um, like, I don't
0: know. It's feet? Do I have feet?
1: <laughs> yeah. But it was in the moment, like when I got up there, that the sun started coming up over the horizon. And we were in a spot where... It, we could see two water bodies on either side. Mm. And so the sun started shining the water silver and the valley turned green and purple. And the colors were just so spectacular. And I was in complete awe. Yeah. And in that moment, I realized I was where I was meant to be. I wasn't mm. an imposter. There so there's so much magic in nature, and you don't have to climb to the top of a mountain to see it. <laughs> but there's so much magic in nature that it's worth protecting any way you yeah. can, and any and with any capability you have.
0: I don't think you need a story of walking in the woods. You have a story of being on top of the mountain and having your moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. That's really beautiful. And what led you then? And you can fill in anywhere that that you want that. Feels like part of the story that needs to be told. But then, how did we get from the top of a mountain in New Zealand to starting a podcast, Forces for Nature?
1: Oh, there was a big chunk of time. That's a big chunk, right? <clears throat> there was a, I worked for many years in different conservation organizations doing wildlife conservation and then environmental. And long story short, I ended up living internationally because Mm -hmm. my husband is Costa Rican and he was in Panama and Panama was my first international experience. But then we moved to, and I was working in, I was still working in Panama doing environmental education. And then we moved to Colombia Mm -hmm. and I didn't have, well, strong enough Spanish skills to work. And even if I did, I, I didn't have a work permit. And this was before COVID. So working remotely was also not really a thing. And so I'm so passionate about this field and I just really wanted to stay connected somehow because I knew Columbia wasn't going to be permanent. And so I was like, what can I possibly do to stay connected to this field and keep doing what I love? And I came up with the idea of a podcast and it became Forces for Nature. Mm -hmm. And it's been a labor of love and it's been so wonderful because I get to talk to these incredible people. The whole idea of the show is that is to and introduce an issue, but quickly pivot from the doom and gloom of the issue and focus on the solution that my guest has found for that issue, whatever, whatever the issue might be, like regarding sustainability or conservation or animal welfare issue. We talk about their solution, their success, and then we leave the audience with action tips on how they can help so we don't want, so we don't leave somebody saying, what could I possibly do? We give some ideas and that's been great. That's been now, oh my gosh, almost three years.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. It's really, I love the similarities and you and I have connected before, but of just being like, I've got to do something to keep this passion going where I can put energy into it. And I also just Googled, how do you start a podcast,
1: (laughs) right? And that's what I
0: did. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, okay, I guess, I don't know. Other people seem to be doing it. And I listened to them and Mm -hmm. let's see what happens. And Mm -hmm. it seems like you've had um, a delightful experience in this world as well. And your podcast is truly so lovely because of all the things you just described in terms of introducing this issue, having someone on that can talk to it and explain it, and then leaving you thinking, okay, here's what I can do next based on what I've learned. That's really a beautiful model.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm really excited to, to see who else you have on there and what other people. That's the thing, right? Is that there's just so many people doing things that we don't know about. That's the other exciting mm-hmm. thing is learning like all these these people that will never get recognition
1: in the same way or whatever but are doing amazing. Things. Absolutely. I'm learning so much myself. So in a way this was a selfish endeavor just because I wanted to stop <laughs> hearing all of the doom and gloom and I wanted to hear the good stuff okay. and I'm just learning so much along the way. How has it changed your Relationship
0: to sustainability and the environment, doing this project and talking to all these people. Maybe it
1: hasn't. I don't know. I was. I feel like I was pretty committed in to to begin with, but at the same time, it does fuel. It does give me hope when things just are terrible. Just reminding myself of who's out there and what's being done, and keep it keeps me going so much. I've I've enjoyed doing my own show so much that I have decided that. I want to elevate other success stories. And so as of last year, I started working with conservation organizations, conservation, sustainability, animal welfare-based organizations to help elevate their stories, help spread their Mm -hmm. stories. And so right now I have a client called Healthy Seas. They're this fantastic marine conservation organization that does really cool work removing guest ghost nets, ghost gear. From oh, Oceans. Yeah. And and so they have a podcast. We have a podcast called the Healthy Seas Podcast. And this year I'm looking to scale up that that service with other organizations because all their good stories deserve to be heard and deserve to be out there.
0: I love that we are on similar tracks
1: with our <laughs>
0: growing love for this field. And also it yeah. seems like we're both just,
1: but there's these things you should be hearing and I can I want you to hear them. Like and it's tough because I love doing this, but it's your one one person show in terms of you do everything from soup to nuts. You're yep. in charge of all the little bits and pieces and it's a lot. You don't think about it when you go into it, but it's a lot. <laughs> It's a whole lot.
0: Yeah. It's a whole lot. Even if you're doing the bare minimum.
1: Exactly. And I just appreciate so much having met you because just knowing that other people are out there with similar passions and dedications, it just feels like a little tribe. Yes. A hundred percent. I appreciate having met you.
0: Ditto. I really was dove in and was like, wait a second. I feel like we should be friends. (laughs) (laughs) This feels like we have similar missions in life. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So in terms of being a force for nature, what are some of the things that you've maybe adopted in your life or learned about from the podcast even, or just things you do to try and lessen your impact on the planet? What are your go-tos when people are like, what can I do?
1: Mm. That's a really great question. So, a couple of things that I've recently started doing because I live abroad. Mm-hmm. Right now, I live in Europe and my family is in North and Central America. And so, I fly a lot more. And that by far is my biggest carbon footprint. And so, what I started doing recently is buying carbon offsets to mm. help neutralize the emissions. I'm, I, do fly less than i used to when i lived in central america but i still fly a lot for yeah you know, i have family all for- over
0: i also feel like that's is and will be for the foreseeable future my biggest impact
1: and so, yeah i've started buying co- carbon offsets
0: can we, you explain do- that a little bit if oh. you don't
1: mind i it's not something i've talked about on the show much oh yeah absolutely so carbon offsets are the idea of a carbon offset is you have activities that are going to put emissions into the air <clears throat> that you can, you can't necessarily cut down on. So for me, it's flying. Mm-hmm. I don't have a car, so I don't do commuting for people driving happen is often their biggest carbon footprint, but right for anything that you do, you have activities that you can't avoid. <clears throat> and so those, you put those emissions into the air. And the idea of carbon offsets is that from a very, a variety of different A variety of different ways can help take what you put into the air out of it. So, for example, um, what I did was I purchased through this organization called Only One, 500 mangrove seeds to be planted in this biosphere in Kenya. And the idea is through those 500, because I did the carbon calculation of the trip. Okay. And. The idea is through those 500 mangroves, as they grow through their life, they will remove from the atmosphere the amount of carbon that I put into it with my flying. And so you can do like tree planting and there, there's different companies, different organizations that offer different services. So you can do tree planting, you can do, you can support regenerative agriculture, because that's also really good at sequestering carbon. There are different, there are some companies that even provide some sort of, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but like some sort of stove. To individuals in rural developing countries, because what they usually do is cut down the forest and use the wood. And so these Mm -hmm. companies instead provide the stove so that they're not cutting down the trees. Or even some companies will allow you to buy tracts of land so that it doesn't get deforested. There's a variety of different methods. That's interesting
0: that it's more than just tree planting, I guess, is interesting too, because I've seen a lot of critiques on. Mm -hmm the the validity, the actual what is that gonna do? Do we have time for that to mm-hmm. work? I'm not saying it doesn't. Yeah. I don't know enough to like make a strong argument right now. But I was I am intrigued to know that this there are more options than that.
1: There yeah. are and I totally understand the critiques mm-hmm. to different methods. There are some companies that are more credible than others. So I honestly I'm still in like the whole research phase of right which are the best methods, which are the most credible, which are the most credible companies. And so there's still a lot for me to learn, but what I know so far made me feel that it was worth investing Mm -hmm. in. And actually when I say investing in, it wasn't even that expensive. Like for my husband and I, we did, we went from Rome to New York, then to Costa Rica and then back. And (laughs) That's a lot of flying. That's a lot of emissions. Mm -hmm. And to offset all of those emissions for both of us, it was only $100.
0: Oh, wow. That's less than I anticipated.
1: Totally. And so many people can afford to add that to their tickets. That's
0: really interesting. And I really appreciate. This podcast is supported by Will's Vegan Store. Will's Vegan Store has been a vegan company at the front of vegan clothing and sustainable fashion since they launched in 2013 by their founder, Will Green. They produce the most beautiful, vegan, sustainably made shoes, clothing, and accessories. I have been obsessed with this brand for years now. They were one of the first vegan brands that I really made the switch to. It can be hard to thrift shoes But I love knowing that if I'm going to purchase a pair of shoes from Will's Vegan Store, they are going to be ethically made, their workers are protected, they don't use plastic packaging, they're delivered in an environmentally friendly way. It's truly the most amazing company to support. So if you're ready to try them yourself, hit the link in the show notes so they know that I sent you. This podcast is sponsored by TerraSeed. TerraSeed is on a mission to disrupt the vitamin industry, empower vegans, and reduce plastic waste in the world. They put everything plant-based people struggle to get in an all-inclusive, vegan, compostable package multivitamin that replenishes them and our planet every single day. Seriously, y'all, win, win, win. Even if you're not vegan, this vitamin will help you get those key nutrients that you need. I am so excited to share a discount code for your first purchase. Use code CARLY50 at checkout to get 50% off. Again, that's C-A-R-L-Y-5-0 for 50% off your first purchase at taraseed.com. Don't forget this code so they know I sent you. You saying, I'm just getting into learning about this and this is what I know so far. I Mm -hmm. really appreciate, like, we need to be able to do that, right? Like, I'm just learning. I don't know, maybe, you know, not necessarily in this example, but just saying in general, like, maybe in a year I'll realize this was absolutely not helpful and we have to pivot. But this is what I know right now, because that's what Mm -hmm. a lot of this field is, honestly, with sustainability Mm -hmm. and the environment is, here's what we know right now.
1: A hundred percent. And I've been in that position where I was doing something that I thought was like the right thing or the best thing I learn. I'm like, Oh, whoops. (laughs) Whoops. And so I, I really try to not be, I'm not going to lie. Like there are times where I'm judgy. I'm like, just recycle or "or use that plastic bottle. Like you don't need that plastic water bottle.
0: Yeah. It's Um, hard. It's hard not to have those thoughts once in a while when you've seen that, when they're, when you dive into the reality and you're like, you have no idea. (laughs)
1: absolutely but at the same time i try to remind myself i'm not perfect i definitely make plenty of mistakes and so trying to just be compassionate and understanding and helpful and i talk
0: with guests that specifically are a talk about their vegan journey a lot about the idea of this angry vegan phase and i think the same thing happens and honestly at this point i think the same thing happens when your mind gets opened up to something that totally blows it. When you, i this happened in college, in sociology 101, in women's studies 101, I suddenly had the language to discuss all these things. And similarly, going vegan and then dominoing into the environment and animal welfare and all these other things, I was just freaking pissed at the world mm-hmm. And I was like, I've been lied to. No one, everyone should be listening to me now. I've seen the light. Why isn't anyone (laughs) listening to me? And Mm -hmm. I was just, I was such a, I was on a war path. And Mm -hmm. I look back and I'm like, oh my God, it's a good thing. I still have friends and family because when I calmed down and sunk (laughs) in a little bit and then just was living this life as I was exploring it, that's when people asked questions that's mm-hmm. when family members are like, Oh, cool, what's that? instead of me being like, You have no idea what you're doing. That's a Good point. <laughs> Did you that's have that experience point. as well?
1: This realization that doom and gloom and guilt and shame, they don't work. It's more about optimism, positivity, and all that stuff. That works, that's a fairly new discovery for me, I'd say, within the last five years. And but I also think that's the way the conservation field has been for so long. It's so much of the shaming and the guilting. And look at all these facts, like things are going right. to hell. Because I was receptive to it and I felt their what they were trying to say. I just assumed this is how everybody's going to feel. And so right. I did the same. Look at these facts. How can you do this? This is terrible. Don't you feel bad? And then it wasn't until, I'd say about five years ago, um, I was working for the Smithsonian Tropical Research Institute. So the Smithsonian is oh, wow. in DC. Many people know it in DC, but they have a branch in in Panama as well. And I forgot, I don't know. I think it was like 2017 or 18 where <clears throat> they had this whole Earth Optimism movement. Mm. And it was in I was planning the event down in Panama for the Earth Optimism. They had this whole big thing going on in DC and I was planning the branch of it in Panama that's when I started realizing, oh yeah, this makes a lot more sense yeah, and it feels a lot better and it seems a lot more effective. And so it wasn't until then, like before then I was all about the guilt and shame, unfortunately. So like you, I probably have already had a bunch of people like cross me off the list of, I'm not listening to her. She's nuts, but (laughs) yeah. Oh,
0: hundred percent. I've had to accept that in life, but I think that's saying that it seems to be In some way, shape, or form, a universal experience where you have to go through this elevated, I can't believe this thing I just learned. And I also had to definitely come to terms with my reaction is one of privilege. I'm mad because I'm learning about all these things. I wasn't even mad because I was experiencing them. I was mad because I was learning about them and didn't take into account enough at all of what my position in the world allowed me to do and how that's not going to be the same for everyone so that also just needed for me to come down from being like a
1: privileged white girl. Oh, that's such a great point that you're making. And like for example, what was I just had a recent example. I don't remember that one, but here's another one that I was thinking mm-hmm. of. I recently recorded an episode of about, I've been wanting to do an episode about fashion and the sustainability of fashion. And there's just so many different facets that you can go down to talk about sustainable fashion. And through a friend, I had a connection with this one company that happens to be a luxury company. I can't even afford their clothes. Yeah, yeah. But, but they're doing like the way that the whole company is run is they're using extra material, like leftover materials. Dead, they're- dead stock. thank you. I didn't know if you would. That's not a word that I knew beforehand, but yes. I, well,
0: I've interviewed some people with fast fashion and in sustainable fashion stuff. That's why I know, not because okay. of my own knowledge.
1: <laughs> and and so their whole company is around only using dead stock. And, but I questioned whether I should bring them on because mm-hmm. they're this like luxury company that so many, including myself, could can't really get to. Yeah. But at the same time, they're doing really great work. And they were able to tell a really good story because I didn't know about deadstock stock beforehand. And I'm, I'm very conscious and I, I'm not perfect, but I'm very conscious of trying to do things or give tips that are accessible to many people, if not right. most, but yeah, you're right. Total white privileged girl right here.
0: Yeah. And it's um, really <coughs> crucial to keep a part of the conversation in this because it definitely gets lost in sustainability. The white savior complex is something that is threaded throughout this work and is really important to continue to grapple with and call
1: out. We've become so far removed and so disconnected from nature. And I can't even say that I live in Rome. Like I live in a city. And so I'm not even surrounded by nature. I just have this this like innate connection in my mind, but it's not surprising that people who are surrounded by concrete and stone and brick, right, right, forget that trees are helping them because yeah. you don't even see them and you don't experience it, and it's hard to understand that having these trees are acting like a sponge to hold the water in the soil for me to have drinking water at different times of the year, you know, stuff like that. It's easy to see why we've become so disconnected. But Mm -hmm. the challenge for us, for you and I, is to figure out how to get people to want to reconnect.
0: Yeah, and it's so interesting because in terms of growing up, my experience is the complete opposite. I'm in northern Minnesota, 45 minutes from Canada. I am in the woods. And I'm living, back nice. in my, I'm living back in my hometown now as an adult. So it's a much different experience when I'm not a surly teenager. It's But it's a very small town and it's just nature. Like when we were bored, we went kayaking and oh. swimming and hiking or whatever because we had nothing to do. And now <laughs> that's a privilege. And now I'm when I totally. like make plans, I'm like let's go swimming, let's go Mm -hmm. snowshoeing or whatever. But it was just like the things we did because the closest movie theater was in Canada. So my growing up experience was literally just nature
1: Mm -hmm. all the
0: time. But it actually took me leaving it and going to Minneapolis for college Ah. to like viscerally feel the difference. I loved my experience. I love the cities and all of that. Mm -hmm. But to viscerally feel the difference of living not in a place that's quiet
1: That's so great.
0: It is a very interesting, very interesting experience. It was, I remember the first time coming home from college freshman year and like for a break or a weekend or whatever it was a couple months in. And I remember pulling up in the driveway and it was dark. It was night when I got home and I just got out and I just sat on the roof of my car and looked at the stars (sighs) Mm -hmm. because I couldn't see the stars in the cities. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I was just very used to seeing the stars every night. Like it's (laughs) these little things, right? That I now just hold in such different regards because I see how lucky I am to have that around me. But it takes some time to get there, I'd say.
1: That's a really great story. And yeah, like people like me who live in the city know, have like nowhere near nature. Like we have to, and we have to escape. To right. Make sure oh,
0: that's why I brought that up. I was like, that story felt incomplete. That's not why I brought that up. <laughs> oh. Thank you for bringing me back. You're basically hosting this show now. I <laughs> brought that up because back in the day, I was describing where I grew up. Because back in the day, there were actual doctors' notes from people who lived hours and hours away that they should come up the shore of and come to Grand Marais, my town, as like for fresh air and for recovery from being sick. So it's it's oh. this space like being in nature was prescribed by doctors i thought that was
1: like a new fan, like woo woo kind of thing
0: it's like a thing that i think was happening and then we got away from yeah so there's stories of people that and people still come up here because we have a lot of outfitters that do guided trips canoeing Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff because we have so many lakes and there I was just talking to someone yesterday who runs an outfitting business who was saying how surprised he is he's taking over the business for his parents realizing how many people just come up because they need to heal mm. and they come mm-hmm. up and they do something like this for healing and we and when we yeah. bring it back to that right talk about forces mm-hmm. for nature if nature is used for healing like need it
1: yeah, absolutely absolutely and we have to remind people that's Something so important and an option, hopefully an option that you can get yourself into. And once you experience it, then I think that's that's the chip that changes and you yep. You realize, oh, this is a big deal. This Do you have important.
0: dreams of living in a greener space? I know it sounds like you are dictated a little bit by your husband's. Work right now, which totally understand. But do you like city life, or are you like I
1: can't wait to have a farm? I do. I'm a city girl, so I do. Right, love you, you said city you grew life.
0: up in New York City.
1: Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I have found that, for example, when we were living in Columbia, we were in the city, but we had this like utopia mm. of an a utopian apartment. I've been to
0: Columbia. It's <laughs> beautiful. It's it is beautiful. Oh. And-
1: we had this utopian apartment that, within the city, our complex had was just on two acres of forest. Or I don't know, I think two acres of forest. And so, I was living in an apartment building, but we had this huge balcony that was basically like looked right into this tiny little forest. But just having that was so wonderful, and it had the it was really small, but it had hiking trails throughout it. And oh my gosh, that's
0: perfect.
1: It was so perfect. If I could take that and move it anywhere in the world, I, it was the perfect experience. Like I love living where we are now in Rome, but we don't even have a balcony in this apartment and it's an awesome apartment and like such a great spot, but I'm always saying, I just want a balcony. Like it's so nice outside
0: outside without going through
1: your apartment. Uh You just want to sit outside. Like, Maybe I'm not even seeing trees, but I just want to be in like fresh air. And the part there's a park not far away, but it's far enough it's away for me same. to be too lazy to go to. <laughs> no. It's not the same.
0: Like when you can sit yeah. out on a deck or totally whatever it is. In in grad school, I lived in. It wasn't a cute view, Saint Cloud, Minnesota. For anyone listening, is laughing, but I <laughs> had a balcony on my little apartment in grad school, and I would hang my hammock out there. And mm-hmm. I swear that got me through. That was one of the things that got me through grad school yeah. was taking a break. And my roommate would laugh because I'd be like, I'm going to study in the hammock. He's so going to take a nap. Great. Because it was so <laughs> lovely to just be outside mm-hmm. but not have to be around anyone or whatever. So I totally get that. You should manifest the city apartment with a balcony and view of the forest of your dreams.
1: Yes, that is what I've got focused on for the future.
0: That sounds very lovely. Is there... <laughs> Anything that you haven't gotten to share or you want to say to listeners that I haven't given you space for? I think
1: only that it's so easy to feel powerless and to feel overwhelmed. And it's so much easier to ignore the issues, but they are increasingly becoming something that you can't ignore. And and even though you feel small and completely insignificant, it's incredible how much impact that you can have as just one person. I often even question it myself. What's the big deal if I do this or if I use this plastic bag or what? But it adds up. It really does. Yeah. And there are so many practical things that somebody can do to start moving the needle. And I don't know, like this is shameless self-promotion, but on, Go my, for website, <laughs> on my website, forcesfornature.com, If you can sign, there's a place to sign up for my newsletter where like I send out the podcast announcements and sometimes um, just random emails on different things that one can do or musings. But anyway, if you sign up for that newsletter, you'll receive a checklist of things that you can do easily, like you could start doing today. And some of them are even like things that you could do from your couch that actually can make a little, I love it. Can confirm.
0: I get the newsletter and had the document. And I was like, as soon as I downloaded, I was like, this is way better than my freebie. This is amazing. It's (laughs) a really, it's a really lovely, like, it's a really lovely resource that you're giving away. I have it saved on my desktop as inspiration.
1: Oh, cool. Thank you so much. So yeah, yeah, forces for nature.com.
0: That's amazing. People will be following you, I'm sure, and listening to the podcast. I hope that we continue to connect and maybe collaborate or something someday. I really appreciate chatting with you and we can have you back on the podcast again too.
1: Thank you so much. I hope to talk to you soon. Sounds great. Yay. Thank you, Crystal. Thanks for listening to another
0: episode of Consciously Clueless. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, put it on social media. Don't forget to tag me. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, leave a review. Reviews and shares help more people to see the podcast and join in on the fun. If you want to make sure to stay up to date on future episodes, follow me at Consciously Carly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Pinterest, and head to consciouslycarly.com to sign up for the newsletter. Ready for more Conscious Living content? Check out patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and join the exclusive community over there. And finally, if you're ready to take better care of yourself and the world, let's work together. Click the link in the show notes to head to the website, find out more, and schedule a free discovery call with me. Chat soon. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? By now, you all know that therapy is an important part of my own self care. It has truly been a game changer in every aspect of my life including achieving goals. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy platform worldwide. They are changing the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to a licensed therapist. BetterHelp makes professional therapy available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. You can start communicating within 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. And I have a special offer for Consciously Clueless listeners. Visit BetterHelp.com Carly and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. By using this code, you get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com C-A-R-L-Y. Take care of yourself today. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast.